Bet365 sponsors our podcast and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sport. Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers. And with over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Thanks for tuning in and listening to the Zonal Marking Podcast, which is brought to you by The Athletic. We're back for a new season and it's great to have you with us. We are Michael Cox and myself, Ali Maxwell, excited to bring you a weekly episode focusing on tactics, footballing trends and with a bit of extra data analytics and analysis this season. Uh, Michael, we've done some work in the transfer market during our brief two week break. Yeah, Tom Warville has been doing some fantastic uh, data stuff on the site over the last few months and uh, we very much enjoyed his podcast appearances last season. So yes, he is uh, now a permanent member of the Zonal Marking podcast team. And Tom, uh, I know that for you this is a, a dream come true, joining your boyhood pod. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Ali. It's, uh, it's great to work with your idol and Michael Cox. Um, <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm really excited to get to do this every week with you guys. Um, and yeah, just can't wait for us to, to get started. Well, I think we've got a smashing topic to kick us off and to start the season. Before we get our teeth into it, Michael, run me through how you've been dealing with opening weekend in terms of written pieces for The Athletic. You couldn't resist Leeds and Bielsa, could you? But there's an extra piece that dropped on Tuesday morning as well. Yeah, it's always exciting at the start of the new season, I guess, for everyone, but particularly you know for myself and there's new teams to focus on and new players and new managers and just yeah more stuff to to write about and so yeah I focused on Leeds and how they played against Liverpool what they did well and also the challenges they'll face in the Premier League compared to the Championship obviously a big step up and then yeah looked at Chelsea on the Monday night as well which I thought was quite a flat performance in there 3-1 win over Brighton but I had a look at their goal kicks because I was surprised how often Kepa basically just hoofed the ball downfield <laughs> which you don't really expect of a supposedly title-challenging team. Timo Werner was, was pretty nonplussed about that particular tactic, I think it's fair to say. Uh, that was an excellent piece. And, and Tom, you've written this week about Tottenham. Uh, obviously a very poor result to start their campaign and you were focusing on their pressing game, which certainly needs some work. Yeah, there was a really, really nice bunch of quotes from Mourinho in the in the kind of post-match presser with Sky Sports and, and other various reporters. And just it was set us up really nicely to kind of dig into what he was calling Spurs' lazy pressure. And I just kind of went in and, and 
just from a, a single game, but realised, yeah, Spurs pressing was really, really lazy and quite poor. But a lot of good pressing teams we've seen in the Premier League in recent seasons have actually had like a good structure to try and press the opposition around. And Spurs is just, there's, there's no structure there at all. So yeah, that was that was fun to dig into. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a bit bearish on, on Spurs' chances in the next few weeks. I really don't see Mourinho turning that pressing tactic around that quickly. So I wonder if they just bin it off entirely. Sometimes we're pressing, it's meant to be all or nothing, but on the weekend Spurs were somewhere in between, which uh, was not ideal as per your piece. Excellent stuff from both of you, theathletic.co.uk forward slash zonal marking. If you're not a subscriber of The Athletic, but you'd like to read these pieces and what these guys are writing about each week uh, and an array of other writing talent as well from across football, of course, but American sports too, uh, you can get a £1 a month subscription at the moment if you head to theathletic.co.uk forward slash zonal marking. Okay, we're going to start the season with what feels to me like a a very on-brand topic, left-footed centre-backs. Tom... Many people within the game, uh, and plenty of fans and observers as well, are fairly militant in the need for a left-footed centre-back in their team. But others certainly don't feel as strongly about it, don't seem to worry as much about having that balance. But you've written about this, you think it's very important, and I'd like you to tell me why. So I think that the importance of a left-footed centre-back is definitely down to you know teams that really, really focus on building up out from the back. Um, and you see it with teams like, I mean, you've got Arteta at Arsenal at the moment and Guardiola. And kind of this, the whole notion of like why a left-footed centre-back uh, is important for me came from when I went to see West Ham against Arsenal at the Emirates. Um, it's the last game I saw before kind of the lockdown hit. And it was Pablo Marie's first game for Arsenal after having signed recently from Flamengo. And I was saying to my mate who I was at the game with, I was like, I, I don't actually fully get why Arteta was so keen to get a left foot centre back. And he goes, oh, well, look, you know, and he literally just as it happened, Marie played like a pass out to the left. And he's like, oh, look at the way the ball's moving. It's so hard for West Ham to intercept it. And for me, that was such like a blatantly, like stupidly obvious light bulb moment. But I just never really thought about it before. And I thought, oh, you know, I'm, I'm probably not uh, isolated here that I'm learning something new about the game of football so um, from that I just kind of went into the the data and, and um, considering kind of which teams use the left footed centre back why they use them and it kind of fell down to two things for me which was um, angles and, and trajectories and the angles is definitely kind of around passing angles and uh, you know if you have a, a left footed left centre back they can open their body up they can f- look more towards the left touch line uh, and it makes kind of moving the ball to that side of the pitch far smoother than if you're a right footer and then in terms of trajectories this was all around if I'm a left footer passing the ball down the the line to the left the ball kind of naturally curves away from the line into the pitch and that means you can you know pass the ball upfield it means your left back can run onto it more and when you start watching players and teams build up from the back with this in mind you do definitely see if a right foot is passing out to the right, a lot of the times you see fullbacks who can you know, run onto that pass. Whereas a right footer on the left, they kind of don't really run onto it. They, they kind of have to stop, come back, and it actually disrupts uh, build-up far more than, than you, uh, you might think. And it was a funny response to the, the piece that you wrote, wasn't it? Because uh, as I kind of said, there are some people for whom this is just obvious uh, and many people for whom this was quite an interesting uh, new concept. Yeah, it was probably the most polarising piece I've, I've written on the site so far in terms of the reception. And, um, you know, some people were saying, well, this is so obvious. My, my dad could tell me that. And I was like, well, that's, that's <laughs> probably a good thing because it means that we're explaining things that are, um, you know, dad friendly, so to speak. Um, 
<laughs> but also um, there are others who like have come to football in a completely different way. They've not, you know, they've not played like um, youth games or, you know, games as a, as a kid in teams. They've not been taken to games and they may be other first people in their family to be actually really interested in football at a kind of technical level. So, yeah, I definitely thought that it was interesting that for some people this was so bleedingly obvious and others this was, uh, like me, a bit of a light bulb moment. Uh, Michael, you spend your time analysing hundreds of, of different styles and teams, build up play from the back, a common theme, as, as Tom touched on there. More and more important at the top level as well, where, where centre-backs are often those that make the most passes. If you look back after a game at who's had the most touches and passes, and, and, in, and in many ways at the very top level, they are now considered the first attackers uh, with their team in possession. How do you explain their tactical importance? And also how important do you think this topic is this concept of needing a left-footed centre-back yeah I mean I think it's important for some teams and not others there are I would say broadly speaking two completely different styles of football in the Premier League um, and they need different types of centre-backs the, the type of football that Arsenal or Manchester City play I think there is a requirement or there is an argument at least to play a left-footed centre-back on the left because they're in possession so much for a side like Burnley where the ball's usually going over their heads from the goalkeeper and, and their primary job is to do defending. Um, I don't think it's so much of an issue. But um, yeah, I think when you look through, you know, the last 20 or 30 years of football history, it's generally been the more progressive sides in a possession sense that have been focused on this concept. So, I mean, I remember Louis van Gaal when he was in charge of Ajax in the mid-90s referring to his two centre-backs who I think were Frank de Boer and Frank Rijkaard at that time as his playmakers, which at the time felt very revolutionary. But I think now it's almost standard for the top clubs. Um, and you look at a club like Ajax, who produced the likes of de Boer and Vermaelen and Vertonghen and Daly Blind. And they always have a left footer in their centre-back partnership because they're so focused on playing the ball out from the back. Um, and I think that concept has spread across Europe to the, uh, yeah, the more possession-based sides. We've mentioned them already, but Tom... Arsenal seem like a, a pretty good case study for, for this discussion. Uh, Arteta, like Pep Guardiola, feels very strongly about left-footed centre-backs. And that's something that we can see in the recruitment since he's been manager. Yeah, so when Arteta joined Arsenal uh, as their kind of head coach recently, I think one of the things that he, he demanded of the club was in January, I need a left-footed centre-back. And I think he definitely had, or he definitely sold you know, the powers of be at Arsenal on his vision of how he wants to play. And, and kind of in order to do that, he needed a, a player with a left boot. So Pablo Marie was the, was the first name in the door and he was actually the, uh, he was the first left-footed centre-back that Arsenal had, had kind of bought in since Thomas Vermaelen in 2009, which for me is quite a staggering amount of time but, you know, between those two signings. And upon signing Marie, he kind of said, he balances what I want to do from the back line. And I think very much that that echoes that, you know, you can have more angles and areas that you can hit on the left side of the pitch with a naturally left-footed centre-back on that side. And then obviously recently you've seen Gabriel join from Lille and he was, you know, he was man of the match on, on BT Sport the weekend and he was very much lauded for his ability to, to play the ball forward and linking up really nicely with, with Kieran Tierney in this back three that Arteta was playing. So, yeah, I think it's funny how just how much... Arteta and Guardiola kind of shadow and, and, and reflect each other in the transfer market. I mean, Guardiola's just gone and signed Nathan Ake as well. And I don't necessarily think that they, you know, the sole reason for that is to have two left-footed centre-backs. I think it's very much Aimer at Laporte has his injury problems. They lose a ton without him in the team, so they just need a another left-footed centre-back. Yeah, it's interesting as well with Arsenal that uh, there was a period towards the end of last season where 
Arteta was playing Kolasinac as the left-sided centre-back, which I found slightly bizarre because I think of Kolasinac as, I mean, not even a full-back, as, as, as a wing-back, really, and someone who's good going forward rather than defensively. Obviously, he's got the physical build, I guess, to be a kind of central defender, but really it just felt like he, he really wanted a, a solid left-footer in there rather than, you know, someone who's a more natural defender um, but who didn't have that left foot to play the passes with. I really enjoyed you basically summing it up Premier League centre-back profiles earlier as those who can pass and those who do defending. Uh, I, dare, <laughs> I dare say that for Arsenal, uh, a little from column A and a little from column B was necessary. And we can, I think now, based on what you've said, Tom, especially uh, expect Arsenal's build-up play at the very least to improve. We saw an eye-catching move already uh, in the opening game against Fulham. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, Coxie, who else needs a lefty in their team? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question. I mean, there's uh, you could argue Manchester United, I suppose, but I think they're an interesting case because Maguire's generally played to the left of the centre-back partnership. He played there at Leicester as well. And I think Maguire's different from the others because I wouldn't say he's a ball-playing centre-back. He's probably more of a ball-carrying centre-back. And there's something about kind of the angles that he, he takes the ball forward and the way he kind of protects the ball where I think he's actually now quite accustomed to playing the left of, of the centre-back partnership. So... Yeah, while he's not left-footed, I'm not sure that's necessarily... You know, I'm not sure he necessarily wants to play to the right of the centre-back partnership. And you can probably say the same about Virgil van Dijk as well, who, again, played left side of the two at Southampton, has done so for Liverpool, distributes the ball in in a different way to a left-footer, but I think has a very particular type of pass over the top to Mane that kind of works with his right foot. So there's certainly sides that don't have a left-sided centre-back who have, uh, you know, got around the issue in different ways. But yeah, I think the the managers who are really focused on possession play to an even greater extent than someone like Jurgen Klopp certainly want a left footer on on the left of the the two. I think another team that would really benefit from having a, a left footer centre back in the squad would be would be Tottenham. Um, Tottenham lost Jan Vertonghen to Benfica this summer. They've been playing Eric Dyer at the back now, and that seems to be his more natural position under Mourinho. And they just don't have a, a natural, naturally left footed player there. So I think for for their build up, it's not like Spurs are like a naturally build up focused side, um, but it, it would definitely offer some balance there. And there are a few comments on Twitter and and, and on the article afterwards, essentially saying Ben Davies could slot in there, but. Again, kind of like Coxie's comment on on Kolasinac, like just because a player has a left foot doesn't suddenly make them a perfect fit for you know doing everything else that a centre back has to do. I think you have to kind of judge it a bit more holistically. And you know, just because Davies has a left foot doesn't make him a, the ideal candidate for that. But now it seems that uh, you know Sergio Regulon could come in. There's the rumour that Gareth Bale could come back. I think that Spurs have have reprioritised who they want to bring in in this window. I mean, Ben Davies to me strikes me as quite a particular type of player in the sense that he's definitely not a centre-back and I don't really think he's an attacking full-back but for the left side of a three he really works I mean he's played that role for for Wales and the way that Mourinho has formatted his side has generally been almost like Davies is the left of of the back three with Aurier or now Doherty pushing on on the other side and I think that's maybe relevant to what we're talking about in the sense that you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, we'd talk about how a side either plays with a back three or a back four. And now I think things have become a lot more versatile. And I think that Spurs example is maybe slightly different from how other sides usually play, where it's often a, a holding midfielder dropping in to become the centre-back and the centre-back spreading. So if you're a left-sided centre-back that 
10 years ago was just left, you know, left centre in a four. It's now quite different if you're being asked to spread towards the touchlines and play almost as a, a conventional left back. So I guess that's another reason why they've maybe grown in importance. Wouldn't it be great if every clothing store you shopped at had only your size, the styles you like and everything at the price you want? Well, Stitch Fix is a company focused on doing just that. It's an online personal styling company that makes getting the clothes you love simple. It's a completely different way to shop and it's all about you. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk slash zonal to set up your profile and they'll deliver great looks personalised just for you. You'll pay a £10 styling fee for each fix, which is credited towards anything you keep. You can schedule at any time with no subscription. Delivery and returns are completely free and easy, so you can always send back items that aren't right for you. Get started with Stitch Fix today by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash zonal right now. And make sure you use our show name to support our podcast. You've got Chelsea as well who have got at least five centre-backs uh, at the moment. Malang Sar came in and is expected to be loaned out. He's the only left-footer out of the six. I was leaving him out there, so five centre-back options this season. Rudiger, Zuma, Christensen, Tamori and Silva, all of them predominantly right-footed. I mean, it's, it's nice, I think, that we're talking so positively about left-footers because, of course, left-handed people or left-sided people have, have historically been, you know, really discriminated against back in the old days, especially centuries and centuries of, of prejudice against uh, people who were, who were left-handed. And, and the language lovers uh, among the listeners will know, of course, that the Spanish word for left is sinistra, which comes from the Latin sinister, because they were, they were considered evil, sinister uh, beings. And thankfully, we've got past that. And we're talking about how important they are on the football pitch. But Leicester City, Michael, they still don't trust them, do they? Uh, because on, on Sunday, in their opening game, 11 right-footers uh, in this Leicester City side. Do you have to have a left-footer somewhere on the pitch? That seems ridiculous, doesn't it? Yeah, certainly not ideal. Of course, that was uh, influenced by injuries and, and suspensions and unavailability. But yeah, it was quite obvious, I think, watching Leicester. I think um, James Justin, who uh, is obviously a, a right-back by trade, was out on that side and didn't look particularly comfortable. So yeah, I mean, it, it did harm their build-up play. And I think, obviously, Brendan Rodgers is the kind of manager who very much does want his side to play out from the back. He wants to stretch the play on both flanks. So yeah, maybe it wouldn't be an option as much for, I don't know, Sean Dyche. Sorry to keep on picking on Burnley, but you know, we are we are talking about playing out from the back. So they are they are the, you know, antithesis to that. But yeah, I thought Leicester's build up playing the first half was quite slow. And uh, obviously Mr Miss Chilwell, who was I think pretty good at playing that role for them. Leicester, I think, are a really interesting one because although they didn't have a kind of predominantly left-footed option in the team, they were also missing uh, Johnny Evans as well. Who and Evans isn't kind of he's not naturally left-footed, but looking at the the data according to Football Ref, he uses his his left foot, which is his his weak foot, twenty-seven percent of the time on all passes, which in the Premier League for centre backs is, is in the top five. So there is a case to say that you don't, you know, obviously you don't. Uh, have to have a, a naturally left-footed player, but there are certain players who who do offer that level of. So although Leicester this weekend did um, start with eleven right-footers, they they were of course missing Johnny Evans at the back, um, and we did see a kind of makeshift centre-back in in the form of Wilfred and Didi, who I don't think had a an awful game. 
Um, but Evans is, is one where, yes, he's predominantly right-footed, um, but he's one of the kind of more comfortable players on his weak foot in the Premier League. Um, so according to stats from data on FB ref, he used his weak foot, which is obviously his left, 27% of the time uh, on all passes, which in the Premier League last year was, was good enough for fifth amongst uh, all centre-backs. So um, that kind of dual-footedness that he has is something that's, that's useful in build-up. Um, for, for Leicester, even though they don't have a, a, a strong left footer at the back there. We have to talk about the England national team for just a second, because, Michael, that last game was a tough watch, I think it's fair to say. And there, there are a number of different tactical reasons for that. I dare say at some point this season, before the Euros, we might take a look at various national teams and, and discuss their their tactics and their, their their strategies. That was a tough watch, though, the, the nil-nil draw. And again, 11 right-footers, uh, albeit it, it was thanks to injury problems, specifically to Chilwell and others. But we had a back three of, of Gomez, Cody and Dyer, uh, none of whom particularly comfortable on their left side. Uh, and then in front of them, well, the wing-backs were Trent Alexander-Arnold on the right and Trippier playing on the, the wrong side, if you will, on the left, uh, with Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips also sitting in front of the, the back three. It's fair to say that the build-up play w- was a tough watch. How, how much do you put down to this um, footedness that we're talking about? Yeah, I think it was an issue and it was almost a throwback to the kind of late 90s where the left-sided problem was uh, well, more of a problem in the midfield than the defence. But yeah, obviously things have shifted now in terms of the way teams play. You want a left-footer in a defensive position rather than necessarily high up on the wing where they tend to cut inside. Yeah, I think it, it did relate in part to the lack of a left footer. That seemed to be... Well, it wasn't like Southgate had one in the squad. He didn't even consider calling up uh, someone like Bukayo Saka, who I don't think will become a left-back in the long run, but has done really, really well there for Arsenal. I think he made his under-21 debut uh, that same week, so maybe Southgate wanted to ease him into kind of the uh, the national team picture. But I thought without a good left-footed uh, fullback, he was a real obvious option to do a job for a couple of games. So yeah, I, I don't think it's something that England have been particularly good at during Southgate's time. I mean, at the World Cup, when obviously they did very well to get to the uh, semi-final stage, the, the left wing-back was was actually Young, who obviously was right-footed and generally cutting inside, and there wasn't a left-footed option in the, in the centre-backs either. So yeah, it's not something that England are, are blessed with. And I think sometimes when you see someone like for example, Tyrone Mings in in the uh, England picture, you do think that's probably because Southgate wants the option of a left footer rather than because he's necessarily at the level to be playing for England. Yeah, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? I mean, Jack O'Connor was someone that gets talked about a lot by Sheffield United fans, especially as 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 saying, hold on, you, there's clearly an issue here uh, in build-up play from the back and you've got a, a left-footed centre-back who's played in the team with the one of the best defensive records in the Premier League last season. Uh, Tyrone Mings has, has obviously had a, a couple of goes. You've got Ben Mee at Burnley and, and Dan Byrne, I suppose, at Brighton, although he's played in, in a number of different positions and isn't even a starter at the moment. So it's not a it's not a deep pool of talent, is it, uh, Tom? I, I just want to flag up Jared Branthwaite, the, the young defender at Everton. He came through at Carlisle United last season as, as such a young player playing League Two football, more than held his own. And, and it was only 10 games or so before Everton poached him and, and he's made a couple of appearances at the back end of last season. He's also a left-footed player that looks pretty comfortable on his right foot and uh, has all the sort of raw materials that you want for a centre-back but still so young, uh, one to keep an eye on for sure. But, you know, we've gone through it there, Tom. Those are basically the only English left-footed centre-backs playing Premier League football. It's, it's not a big pool. Why do you think that is? Why are they so rare? There was a comment on this in, in the article, and, you know, one of the 
well, the comment kind of said, you know, is this because younger age groups, left-footed players are kind of promoted and pushed into the attacking positions because they can add kind of more value there? And I think maybe to some extent that's the case, but I mean, you don't see players like Bukayo Saka just because he's, you know, left-footed playing centre-back. Like he's obviously not got the build, that's obviously not his game. Um, I think part of it is just, it's just due to the natural numbers in the population that left-footed and, and left-handed people represent between 10, 20% of, of, of you know, everyone. Um, and I think that that in and of itself kind of restricts the sample. If you apply that to the number of footballers that there, there are in the world, especially those that are of a good enough professional quality, that, you know, that hopefully again means that it's, they're only going to be kind of 10 to 20% of that pool. So I definitely think that has, um, that's the knock-on effect. It's just we as humans are naturally not left-footed and left-handed. And that's, that's the devil's work, isn't it, really? <laughs> um, well that's those are your words not mine I thought I thought we'd moved on from those days um Michael I think from from my area of observation it, it feels like over the last few years especially when we talk about transfers and transfer rumors it, it often seems like when there's centre-backs being talked about their very footedness seems very, very relevant, even in discussions and the reasons why they're being targeted. But do you think it's, is that something you've noticed? Do you think there's, there's, there's a sort of added value to being left-footed in today's transfer market? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it probably is best answered by, by your previous question, you know, in terms of the fact that they are so rare is why they're so valuable. And I do think it feels like a relatively, for English football, it feels like a relatively modern phenomenon because i mean when i think back to the 1990s and 2000s when i think of england's best center backs and we had a lot of good center backs during that time i can't really remember many who were left-footed uh, matthew upson springs to mind probably someone who you know he was in the side for the 2010 world cup but not really a regular aside from that so i think in english football traditionally because it was only you know it's only 10 or 20 percent of uh, of players who are left-footed they tended to just get put on the on the left flank rather than as a centre-back. So, yeah, when you do have one who comes along who has the traditional centre-back qualities but can also play it with their left foot, there is, uh, yeah, there is a, a shortage of those, or there has been traditionally in English football, so they do become more valuable. This podcast is brought to you by Hims. If you haven't heard of them, they're basically your best mate when it comes to those tricky men's health problems. Balding is an awkward topic for men, yet a lot of us start to lose our hair before we hit 40. And the best way to take control of hair loss is to do something about it while you still have some. Hims was created to make it easier for guys to seek care, especially guys who avoid seeing their doctor in person for awkward health issues. So Hims connects you to real doctors online, which could save you hours. It's completely confidential and discreet. You'll get a proper consultation and they'll give you sound advice on what you can do to help your hair before it's too late. It couldn't be easier for you to book your free consultation. Just go to forhims.co.uk slash athletic. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot co.uk forward slash athletic. Tom, I did ask you to, to look at the transfer market from a sort of data information point of view. Do you, would you go as far as to say that the very fact of being left-footed could add a few million pounds onto a, a centre-back's value? Yeah, I definitely think that's that's the case. And we've seen that this year with, with Gabriel. And I think, I think you mentioned earlier of Jared Branthwaite. Ali is a really good one because Everton are another side who, who probably 
don't have that balance at the back. They've got Yerry Mina, Michael Keane and Mason Holgate, who are the, the core kind of starters at centre-back and they're all predominantly right-footed. And I think they were in the running to kind of chase after Gabriel as well. Uh, Arsenal priced them out of that move. And it just shows you that like after Gabriel, if you want a Premier League level centre-back who's not, you know, aging over the hill and is someone to build with for the future there's there's barely any options there really so i definitely think that it has an impact on the price and i think that the smart clubs maybe you're going to start to leverage this and think about this and think okay if we've got a left-footed dm in the squad can we turn them into a center-back can we give them a run of games and to the rest of the market that you know shows them they can play there and that might add a significant amount to their their uh, value as well and in premier league terms the billboard signings where, where it refers to this discussion were ake and gabriel for manchester city and arsenal but i know tom you're quietly pretty excited about a transfer that southampton made uh salisu the center back a transfer made by southampton potentially with mega profit in mind do you think yeah i think that um it's funny how, how much the big clubs and the kind of top six top eight clubs in the premier league value Premier League experience and they just really don't like gambling that often on, on players who are unknown quantities in other leagues and I think they'd rather a player move to the Premier League and see if they can cut it there uh, and then kind of spend heavy on them from, from that point and I think Salisu definitely fits the bill he joined from Real Valladolid he's a left foot centre-back he played 2,000 minutes in La Liga last year I think he's 21 years old. There's just a lot to like about that transfer for Southampton and, and a lot of it points to it's good value. Um, it's a very, very good fee. And if you can get a run of games in the side, uh, you know, I was kind of speaking to a few data scouts at clubs across Europe and they think that he could go for 20, 30 million next year if kind of Southampton play him in the right way. And, and um, you know, he looks, he can at least play at the Premier League level. So it's obviously a big ask. But yeah, I do think that Southampton have, uh, could be that could be one of the kind of better signings of this transfer window for sure. One of the things I wanted to ask you, Michael, is about you know take away data and and even any thought of tactics and 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 focus on aesthetics just for a second, because as discussed, there, there's uh, only a small pool, a percentage of, of left-footed players in world football. And so as people who watch a lot of football, it can be very unusual and a bit unnerving to, to see two left-footed centre-backs playing alongside each other. I noticed that, that a few weeks ago, Jamie Carragher, when talking about Ake joining uh, Manchester City, tweeted, I'm not convinced two left-footed centre-backs works meaning Ake and Laporte playing together. I know right-footed players play together, but it never feels right the other way around to me. Um, you watch more football than most people. What do you have to say about that? Is that just one of these sort of biases that our brain has, or is there an issue with two left-footed centre-backs playing next to each other that doesn't exist when there's two right-footed centre-backs playing next to each other? Yeah, it's an interesting debate. I mean, I think that the issue there is basically that if you have a left-footed centre-back, they're never accustomed to playing on the right. I think because you're much more likely to have two right-footed centre-backs, you do get some who just end up being comfortable playing to the left. We spoke earlier about Virgil van Dijk and Harry Maguire. John Terry played that role. Tony Adams was generally on the left of the two uh, for Arsenal. Um, whereas if you have someone like Laporte, I can't imagine he has ever played alongside a left-footer and has ever switched to the right, or the same for Ake. So yeah, I think it's, it's generally just what they are accustomed to and and on this vague topic I mean I remember Carragher saying something quite interesting about playing as a right footer on the left of a three and he said that having done it himself it's actually harder to play that role than playing as a right footed left back because at least if you're playing at left back you can just push all the way over to the touch line 
and make sure you're receiving the ball on your right foot and, and probably have the space to play it on your right foot. If you're the left side centre-back, you always need to leave that space on the outside and you're going to be forced out there to use it. So, yeah, it was interesting to hear him say that because obviously he's someone who does think about the game and, and has experience of playing in uh, in those kind of systems. So, yeah, I think there probably is a more of a difficulty with two left-footers rather than two right-footers. Yeah, just because they're not accustomed to it. And I'm looking forward to when we record an episode in the year 2030 about two-footed centre-backs. That's surely the, the next stage. I mean, off the top of my head... John Terry Coxie, he's always mentioned as a as a, a about as two footed as centre backs come because of course he's right footed, but he just became known for that little wedge pass with his left foot out to the right side for Chelsea. Uh, and looking at that footedness data, Tom, that you mentioned earlier, provided by Statsbomb and, and FB Ref in the Premier League at the moment, the most two footed centre back of those who play significant minutes is Jan Vestergaard of Southampton. He is right footed, but 66% right foot passing, 34% left foot passing shows uh, how comfortable he is on that side. And then on the extreme end, you've got Connor Cody of Wolves, uh, who we've spoken about as someone who has such a a unique tactical role in the Premier League, basically. Uh, He plays 96% of his passes with his right foot. Uh, And O'Connell, who we mentioned, 95% with his left foot as well. So it's very valuable having the option or at least being able to do more than just stand on on your weaker foot as well. Uh, Is there anyone else you wanted to flag up here, Tom? I think for Kayo Tomori at Chelsea is one who definitely stands out from the data just because he he seems really quite... Uh, comfortable on, on his left foot, which is his weak foot, and he, he makes seventy four percent of his passes on his on his right and twenty six percent on his left. Which again, I think that's that's good enough for sixth in the Premier League in terms of how comfortable he is on on his weak foot. And I think it's interesting that Frank Lampard is is, is pushing him out of the team, and and seemingly they're going to use those minutes instead on uh, Thiago Silva, Kurt Zuma, Andreas Christensen. Um, and so I do think for for one team in the transfer market, Tomori definitely represents a player who you know could be good value for for a side that's looking to build up and. I know he's linked quite strongly with with Ren at the moment um, in Chelsea's pursuit for Edouard Mendy in goal and and Everton I think were linked with a low move as well. Absolutely shocking that Everton are trying to loan a centre back from Chelsea again for the season. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I do think that for for someone he's he's a young player. He's just finding his feet in the Premier League. I think he could be a really valuable asset if they're trying to build up. There you go, a little recruitment nugget, a suggestion for anyone who's listened right to the end. Uh, it's been a real pleasure talking to you guys, Michael Cox and Tom Warville of the Athletic about. Left-footed centre-backs, they got the zonal marking treatment this week. Uh, Really fun way to kick off the new season. We've got so many cool ideas, uh, guys, coming your way over the next few weeks and months. It's great to be back doing this pod for The Athletic this season. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. It's available for free on all podcast platforms, but it is available ad-free as well on the Athletic site and app. And if you're not a subscriber, but you'd like to be, or at least check it out, theathletic.co.uk forward slash zonal marking. Current offer, £1 a month to read everything written by these two and so many more and listen to all of the Athletic pods ad-free. We hope you'll join us there. And we hope you'll join us again next week. Thanks for listening. This has been the Zonal Marking Podcast brought to you by The Athletic. (laughs) 